0: Have better sleep and feel more calm? Grab the link in the show notes and get 25% off of your first order.
1: Curiously enough, acupuncture is not just sticking needles into people. It's part of a coherent and observation based medicine that experienced practitioners of the art have handed down over the centuries. I'm Michael Max, your host and guide of Everyday Acupuncture. Listen in as we explore how you can apply the principles of this ancient medicine in your everyday life. Hey, everybody, welcome back to Everyday Acupuncture. Today, my guest is Lauren Brown. Lauren is both an acupuncturist and an educator. He lives in Vancouver, British Columbia, where he runs the Acubalance Clinic, helping uh, couples to conceive and have healthy pregnancies. He's got a real love for continuing education. And so he's created the Pro-D seminar series for acupuncturists. And because he likes to bring like minds together, uh, especially from different disciplines, he also has metagogy, as well, And he's going to tell us all about this stuff here in just a moment. Uh, the main focus of our conversation today is fertility and pregnancy. So, Lauren, welcome to Everyday Acupuncture.
2: Michael, thank you very much for having me on.
1: Yeah. So, I'm curious. You started out as a CPA, right? I did. I, okay.
2: I started out, you know, I started out, I did a, a science degree first. So, kind of like a Bachelor of Science in Math went on to become a chartered accountant, and um, I had health issues. And um, it was through those health issues that I uh, found Chinese medicine as a patient.
1: Okay, this is a this is a, a common story.
2: It, you know what? In our profession, it is such a common story, you know? Because it, it's not something mainstream where when you were young and at school, um, at job fairs, uh, an acupuncturist would come and say, come become an acupuncturist. You know, maybe lawyers, engineers, etc. And so I think a lot of people that practiced them, this medicine had their own personal experience and you know i come from a family of entrepreneurs and doctors and so i did do the mainstream that's what i knew and when that wasn't working um i went and tried alternatives and i tried a couple and it was chinese medicine that made the most significant um uh, cha- well it healed me right and and you know i used to have a fear of needles so that i wasn't thinking on chinese
1: medicine oh man i still have a fear of needles <laughs>
2: But you know they don't hurt. They're fine. They're not like getting your blood drawn or an injection at a doctor's office. But I know. But it. But it's just a fear of needles. Fear of needles, right? And so yeah. you know, we have that too now. Patients come into the office and they're hesitant. Are you going to need? You know, do acupuncture? Um, you know, there's so much more than just needles uh, with Chinese medicine. And for me, my introduction was Chinese herbal medicine and mm. and dietary lifestyle, and that made a huge difference. And then I got the needles, and I loved it. They were great, and um, and so that's how I got into. Um, that's where I came from as an accountant. And then I got into, uh, Chinese medicine that way because it made such an impact on my life that while I was still a a controller and tax specialist for the company I was working with, um, here in Vancouver, British Columbia, I ended up, um, just taking courses, um, and more and more courses on Chinese medicine and health. And finally I resigned and went back to school to become a doctor of Chinese medicine because it just... Um, it changed my life so much. The philosophy was great, the effectiveness I liked, and it was just a passion for me. And uh, I became a doctor of Chinese medicine and started my practice in 2000.
1: Yeah. And were you focused on fertility? No. You, <laughs> no. It wasn't, how, did, it wasn't how did that all come about?
2: <laughs> it wasn't even on my radar. You know, I got into digestion. I thought I was going to treat IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, Crohn's, and colitis because I came into the medicine – because I had terrible IBS, chronic fatigue. Um, you know, it was, it was really bad. Um, and I, that's what my focus was. And so, you know, when you, when you practice Chinese medicine, you practice any kind of medicine, the, the majority of the people that come to you are, are females. You know, men tend not to go see healthcare providers at this point in time, anyhow.
1: No, you know, if we're having a heart attack, we drive ourselves
2: to the hospital. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah mostly females came and Chinese medicine's holistic so even though my focus was kind of the digestive issues when I first started we still look at everything so we always look at the menstrual cycle and um, a lot of the women that have it's a typical pattern the same thing that's causing their digestive upset their bloating their IBS is the same thing that's causing their PMS and painful periods so as I was healing their digestion their 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 cycles got regulated and their PMS got away and I they were probably
1: I, shocked about that weren't they
2: Yeah well you know educating but yeah they were a little surprised but you know, they come in and you explain the Chinese philosophy and how we're, why you know, because why are you asking about my menstrual cycle or my headaches or my sleep if I'm coming here for my gut? And the, to explain the model of Chinese medicine where everything's connected, and so we got to treat you holistically and heal all the systems in order to have, have good health. And so because I was doing so well with the women's health side, I was getting more and more referrals, and so I became more of a women's health guy. There was a period of time where I was being called the PMS guy, and what happened is there was a, a, a woman in Vancouver that was traveling to see Randine Lewis. She's the author of The Infertility Cure, and her second book is The Way of the Fertile Soul. But back then, um, in, in The Infertility Cure, she lived in Houston, Randine, an acupuncturist. And this woman was traveling to Randine for acupuncture herbal advice because she was preparing for an IVF in vitro fertilization. It's a fertility treatment where they retrieve the eggs from the woman, fertilize them outside in the lab, and then when they grow out for a few days, they uh, transfer back the embryos into her uterus. And so she was going out for IVF support using acupuncture. And it was just wasn't feasible. And Grandine said, You need to find somebody in Vancouver. And, you know, it's just, you know, I guess, you know, luck is when hard work meets opportunity. And so the opportunity was there. I was already known as the PMS women's health guy. She couldn't find anybody in the city that said they focus or specialize in infertility. But I was out there as the women's health guy. So she asked me to uh, to support her. And the deal was, um, Michael, is Randine's going to run the show. So she asked, are you willing to talk to Randine, take her advice, and work with me? And I, you know, I paraphrased it back. So let me get this straight. You want me to basically put the points where Randine says, put the herbs in, we're, 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 give you the herbal medicine that Randine says, and just basically be like a monkey and do this for you. And she goes, yeah. And I said, I love that idea. I need, you know, who doesn't want a mentor? And so Randine <laughs> and I spoke for one year. I was Randine Lewis's very first one-on-one student. And her book, The Infertility Cure, was only in draft. then. I read the draft version. And so Randine was my first mentor. I started helping this woman through her IVF process. And, you know, one person tells another person, Eventually, the the practice grew, and by 2004, I was only doing fertility. Um, now, there was demand for other things in my practice, but was, nobody else was doing fertility, and I just chose that's all I'm going to do is reproductive health. Fertility is about the baby, so when I say I, tr- I treat reproductive health, it's not just fertility. It's recurrent pregnancy loss and women throughout their pregnancy because our goal is not see. Mm-hmm. It's healthy baby.
1: Absolutely, now I've got so many people that come in, and they, you know, their main concern is I want to get pregnant. Yeah. And you need to do. Sometimes you just need to do a little education. Well, no, actually, I think what what you probably want is a healthy baby. Right. Getting pregnant is actually not that difficult, but keeping a pregnancy and having a healthy one—that's another issue.
2: And that's the goal. And I always say, whether you're trying to, you know, our goal is healthy baby. So whether that happens in a lab like IVF, or happens in the bedroom, our goal is healthy baby. And that's always what we work for at at my clinic. And that's what I know Chinese medicine doctors in general that are treating fertility. That's how we can treat, you know, it's all about improving the overall fertility vitality um, of the individual. So that's my long story of how I got into fertility. And, you know, now at Acubounce, you know, I have uh, several associates and that's our focus. And we're on site at uh, the largest IVF hospital here in Vancouver, uh, BC. We uh, we, we do uh, acupuncture on transfer day, and we work with the docs as in communication. We're independent, but we, we integrate in chat, and you know, we get all the difficult cases, right? The, the sure. lower varium reserve, advanced maternal age, repeated IVF failures, repeated recurrent pregnancy loss, the unexplained. Uh, these are the, uh, the cases we get. And I know colleagues around the world that do Chinese medicine, these are the cases. So it's amazing, because so much of the pregnancies that we see are, are miracle babies, From the Western perspective, sometimes Mm -hmm. Chinese medicine was considered unexplained, as you know this. From the Western science, is very explainable from the Chinese medicine side.
1: Right. Yeah, I I sometimes have patients say, well, you know, according to science, this is impossible. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) It depends on what science you're looking at.
2: I always remind people the four-minute mile was impossible until somebody broke it, and then everybody started breaking it.
1: Yes, yes. So for our listeners that aren't familiar with Chinese medicine, And maybe they think it's magic or maybe they think it's just acupuncture for that matter. How is it that this stuff helps people to get pregnant and maintain pregnancies and have healthy babies, especially in those conditions where Western medicine says this can't be done?
2: You know, it's a great question. And I'll start with just really giving you the highlights and then we can if we want we can go into detail on each of these so in general looking at what science has shown that acupuncture is doing in chinese medicine for fertility is one is it's been shown to increase blood flow to the reproductive organs two has been shown to help reduce the effects of stress and those stress hormones Three, it's been shown to regulate the cycle, so balancing the hormones as well. And there's been studies also to show that it can increase live birth rates with IVF. So going to the blood flow, increases blood flow. As a woman ages, there is a re, uh, reduction in blood flow to the reproductive organs. So by increasing the blood flow, we're increasing nutrients, hormones, oxygen to the follicles. This helps create a better environment, so obviously a better follicular response, healthier ache. Also the lining you know, the blood flow going to the lining, a thicker, richer lining can be more receptive to um, uterine for for implantation. So blood flow is really important, great for circulation. So there's um, research out on that on acupuncture, increasing blood flow. And most of the studies that have been done on that is showing a dosage of about twice a week for at least um, four weeks. So it's not like a one treatment uh, cure-all. It is like kind of like exercise or studying for an exam, dosage matters once a week versus two or three times a week will make a difference over a period of time. Stress, some of the stress hormones can impact, can interfere with ovulation and implantation. And, you know, lots of stress can impact um, some of our hormones, you know, constantly being stressed, the hormone cortisol leads to some inflammation, can lead to um, insulin resistance. Um, So again, stress over a period of time I'm not talking acute stress but long-term chronic stress can lead to hormonal imbalance also when you're stressed your body goes into fight or flight reproduction isn't a priority neither is digestion so the blood is diverted from the digestive system and in this case it's also diverted from the reproductive system to go into that fight or flight mode so if acupuncture is able to help reduce the effects of stress indirectly it's also improving blood flow back to the reproductive system and If it's able to help reduce the effects of stress, we keep those stress hormones down, which we know can interfere with your overall fertility. It balances hormones. So this one needs a little bit of um, history. Not so much history, but just kind of why is this important. So the egg, what some women may not know is the, their, their eggs that they're born with, it goes through a recruitment process, these follicles that contain the eggs. It's not like they have their menstruation, they bleed, and then the next two weeks they got to be super healthy because they're trying to get pregnant that month. The actual quality of that egg for that menstrual cycle that she's going to ovulate is based on how healthy and how great everything was in the past year, but most importantly, in the last three to four months. So if we can help... That recruitment process by improving the ovarian environment. So during the maturation process of that follicle, as it goes from primordial follicle, like mummified, dormant, into being released as the dominant follicle, or if you're doing an IVF, being re- being retrieved to be fertilized later, if we can change the ovarian environment by regulating the hormones, then that follicle that contains the egg, it has a better chance of reaching its peak potential because the environment in which it's maturing in is optimal.
1: You know, we we often use this um, metaphor of like cultivating a garden. Yes, yes. And, and and what I'm hearing from you, and and you're talking very scientifically here. It's exactly the same thing.
2: It is. You know, our tagline at AccuBalance is "Nourish Life." And the integrated fertility symposium that I I chair the uh, in 2015, the theme was "Nourish the Soil Before Planting the Seed." The healthy baby approach. So yes, this is what's brilliant about Chinese medicine. They get this. So nourish the soil before planting the seed is exactly what Chinese medicine is doing. And it's what science has now shown that the health of the man and the woman leading up to conception and the woman's health throughout her pregnancy will impact the health blueprint of your unborn child. That's why I have this fun little formula. How do you make a healthy baby? Healthy baby equals healthy egg plus healthy sperm plus healthy uterine environment. And so when you see a Chinese medicine practitioner that's treating you for infertility, they're looking at your digestion, your sleep, your mood, um, your elimination, and your cycle. Your cycle, how do we know if you have hormones or imbalance? Well, we can do blood tests now, but you know, two, 3,000 years ago, we didn't have this. But these blood tests sometimes are looking for obtuse issues. We're looking for sometimes subtle issues. So in Chinese medicine, and for our listeners, a healthy cycle looks like the following you bleed three to seven days so not more than and not less you don't have pain with your period you don't have PMS it comes regularly so on average 28 days and the blood is the nice bright red no clots and so the first thing we look at when a woman comes to our practice is what's her cycle like is it regular what's her bleeding like and we don't help everybody get pregnant you know nobody has that 100% success however I would say it's incredible how well Chinese medicine is good at regulating the cycle and treating painful periods, PMS and and the bleeding issues. That's the first thing we go at and that's our way of looking at helping balancing the hormones and therefore looking back at that ovarian environment. So how does Chinese medicine help improve fertility? It's helping the egg reach its peak potential, helping the woman have a healthy uterine environment and the same thing goes for the guy. It takes two to make a baby.
1: Absolutely. Now, I'm curious, in your, in your work now, again, you're, you're very specialized in, in reproductive health. How often do you see the guys come in? I know that here, at least in the American Midwest, it's, it's usually, let's just say the burden of this is generally on the woman. I very rarely see guys come in, and yet that is often, the male factor is often uh, the issue for a lot of couples. So yes,
2: you know, y- what's your point of view on this? So first of all, this is really great because the male factor, based on data, is often more than 50% responsible for the infertility, when, um, and I don't have the stats on the top of my head, but there's a percentage that's related to female, there's a percentage that's related to male only, and then there's a percentage that's related to both. So when you take the male part and the male-female com- combo, it's well over 50%, probably closer to 60%. So yes, it takes two to make a baby. And it's unfortunate, but yes, the male are underrepresented um, in our clinic. And so often we'll have a woman sitting with us, um, and it's gotten better since 2000, but they will be sitting in, our, in, in the consult, and what's your diagnosis? It's male factor, and the guy's not there. And we hear all the excuses. He doesn't believe in it. He doesn't want to do it. Um, you know, for the, the men, the few men that are probably going to listen to this podcast, you know, we've seen the relationships improve when the men come. Um, one is we've seen the males, the sperm is the easiest to treat. So remind me, don't let me lose that thought, Michael. I do want to talk about treating the men, but mm-hmm. when the men come in for acupuncture or they change their diet, they give up smoking pot or they give up the alcohol, the excessive alcohol, they give up hot tubbing, they take some vitamins, the women feel supported. It's the, the guys supporting them. And I always tell the guys listen, whether you believe it or not, by doing this, you're, you're, you're showing support for your wife. Because, you know, guys, we want to fix things and we want to show support the way we want to show the support. But the best way. It usually support, involves a tool belt. Yeah, yes, exactly. The best way to support your spouse is to be supported the way she wants to be supported. And I can tell you, because I've treated thousands of women, thousands, and it's, uh, it's pretty pretty obvious now that they want their guys to participate in this. They don't want to have to nag them to take the vitamins and to eat well. They want the guy to be excited, to be motivated, to take his vitamins, to eat well. Like I said, get out of the hot tub and get out of excessive drinking and need be coming to acupuncture. i got to share a story with you
0: Mm
2: -hmm. because hopefully this will motivate the men. Men are the easiest to treat. Why? Because men are always making sperm. On average, a 1,000 new sperm every heartbeat. So unlike women that are born with all their eggs, Men are always making new sperm. So if you've been smoking a lot of drugs, like the, the marijuana, which is terrible for sperm, or if you have a really trans fat processed diet, um you ran a lot of chemicals, sperm aren't good with chemicals, you know, because of your job, and you clean yourself up over a three to four month period, you can see a major change in semen quality. So guys can can if they can change the environment, then the new sperm can be great. So we got this referral from the IVF clinic that we work with here. The couple did what's called ICSI. Now, they were young. It wasn't age-related, and I'll explain ICSI. They're both in their early 30s. He had terrible sperm. The count was so low, he needed to do what's called ICSI. ICSI is like IVF, where they retrieve the eggs from the woman. But instead of just kind of sprinkling the sperm in the petri dish and letting the best sperm penetrate, when they take a sperm and force the sperm into the egg. I mean, actually, the procedure is they have to cut off the tail because the tail doesn't go into the egg and just put in the head into the egg. They, first, they force fertilize an egg with, with an individual, individual sperm. That's his sperm quality. They needed to do ICSI on this couple. Mm-hmm. And she had a few embryos, so a few eggs fertilized, had a few embryos, and they died out real quick. And they knew it wasn't her issue. And it was the guys' issue. But they just did the best thing Western medicine can do to overcome male factor infertility, ICSI, which is like a 15,000 procedure in Canada. It's well over 20,000 in the United States. Um, anyway, they said, you know what? Try Acubalance. We, the, 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 there's not enough studies to say it'll work, but it can't hurt. Like we got nothing else for you unless we go mm-hmm. donor sperm.
1: And it's cheap compared to, uh, to ICSI. Oh, my goodness. A couple
2: can come to us for a year, both of them, once, once a week for a year, come to an acupuncture and do all our stuff, and it still won't equal the cost of one IDF. Um, so this couple came to us. We worked with the guy. We also worked with her. She's the vessel. Remember, healthy babies, healthy egg, and healthy uterine environment plus healthy sperm. So she had a lot of stuff that Western medicine didn't identify, but Chinese medicine saw as not healthy. Um, and we worked with him, and his sperm improved so much that on one of his follow-up semen analysis, when they were looking at doing maybe another IVF, his sperm looked normal. And they said, actually, based on your semen analysis, you don't really need IVF. Why don't you guys try for another three months naturally and see what happens? Yeah. go get busy. They conceived naturally. Okay? Uh-huh. This is after an ICSI cycle failed. He comes back to me three years later. They have a baby girl he comes back to me and says, look, we've been trying to look at my sperm, right? It's terrible again. And I said, you remember all the diet and lifestyle things we did? What happened? He goes, well, I went back to my old habits. I said, look, we got to go back on the right diet. I put him back on the supplements. We did acupuncture. We never got to check his semen analysis again because they conceived naturally again. So for the guys out there, and I've said that guys do not come in enough. In 2000, it was terrible. We're recording this, you know, in November of 2015. We see a lot more men involved. So it's great. The guys, there are a lot more men, but there's still not enough. And it's unfortunate because I know that if we treated more men, we would see less um, couples needing IVF.
1: You could save them a lot of money and a lot of time. And, and the, IVS, the IVF cycle on a woman's body is not gentle.
2: No, it's an invasive procedure. She has to inject herself for 8 to 14 days with hormones. Um, so her her ovary um, is supposed to just release one egg and they're trying to get 5 to 7 out of each egg so she gets bloated and uncomfortable. Then they got to go in through the, the vagina into the ovary and poke and pull out these follicles. So they got to go in and if you got 20, they got to go in and grab out 20 and that's uncomfortable. And then uh, three to five days later, they transfer back. Now, IVF is a great technological advancement. So I'm so happy we have this because there are babies being born that would never have been been born. However, if you can change it through dietary changes, and we have seen this. Like we just, yesterday, Michael, I'm seeing a couple um, early 40s and treating both the man and the woman and they're getting ready to do an IVF. And they conceived naturally. So they were going to do an IVF in January. And this is the third couple this month that we've saved them their $15,000 from IVF where they were told they need IVF. And again, from a Western perspective, they're not sure. They've been trying well over a year. Um, Here's the next step, IVF. We come here, we come in from a Chinese medicine perspective, we see the issue from a Chinese medicine perspective, you can get this, a cold uterus. There's no Western diagnosis for a cold uterus in the West, but in Chinese medicine, we know how that can play for infertility, um, and uh, we work with that, and uh, And uh, they're now uh, into their pregnancy.
1: Yeah, that's great. I'm curious, as you're working with these people to help them conceive and, and have healthy Uh, pregnancies. What other kind, I I don't want to say side effects, but what other kinds of things do you notice often change in their lives?
2: So when we work with the couples, um, and particularly the the women, because we see more of the women, they have a transformation, a lot of them, because we're teaching them. We're not curing them. We're healing. Um, How can I put this? I'll I'll just tell you what they experience. First of all, Mm. their cycles are regular. Can you imagine not having emotional and physical pain on a monthly basis. You know, like some of them are so the the emotions, the mood, the, the rage or the sadness changes. But we empower them because we teach them about eating. We teach them about stress reduction, about their body, their energy reserves and sleep. There's so much so much of our illness today is based on diet and lifestyle. So much of it and in your emotional side of it. So it doesn't require drug. It doesn't require seeing somebody like me all the time. Once you know about Healthy sleep and ways to help yourself sleep, and things that promote good sleep, and removing the things that prevent good sleep. Once you know about how diet can impact your overall health and choose those foods that way and avoid the foods that are negative, once you learn ways to deal with the stress, then you start to have this incredible vitality. You wake up full of energy, you wake up positive, your skin becomes clear without trying to lose weight, your body finds that ideal weight. So, people often We see, you know, North America, people tend to be on the overweight side. Our overweight people tend to lose on average 15 pounds without us doing any calorie counting or trying to help them lose weight. It's just part of the side effect, as you call it, to being healthy. And the people that are normal weight, they don't lose the weight, you know. It's because you're healthy. Your body finds that equilibrium, that homeostasis. So they get good sleep. Their headaches go away. Their skin becomes clear. Their bowels become better. Their moods become better. That's why... We get testimonials from women and men that we don't help them have babies in the end, but their lives have changed so much better that they're still grateful that they found Chinese medicine and came to Acubounce because their lives are better on a mental and physical level.
1: Yeah. The The downstream effects of balance, harmony, and the physiology hitting on all cylinders, so to speak, has profound effects throughout the entire system, emotions included. Yes. Yeah.
2: Well, motions are usually in Chinese medicine the number one cause of disease, and we see this here. You know, the newest um, uh, medical rage is functional medicine, right? And mm-hmm. functional medicine is basically borrowing or using, which is great, the principles of Chinese medicine. And in functional medicine, is looking at again everything's connected, all the systems are connected, right? You can't look at things in isolation, and you got to treat the person as an as an individual. And this is, uh, this is the same thing as with Chinese medicine. And the down, the, the health of the, of the man and the woman from this is, is incredible.
1: I hope you've enjoyed the first half of the show. Now it's time for a word from our sponsor. That would be you. Actually, you could indeed sponsor a show here for a nominal fee and have your billboard on the internet sandwiched into the show. Send along an email for details on that, or you could support the effort here by popping over to everyday Podcast.com and click on the link to support the show and leave a few dollars that will help to keep some inspiration in the teacup. You know we run on only the finest oolong and poorer teas here at everyday acupuncture Podcast Central. No point in going all NPR pledge drive here to remind you that teas like that don't come cheaply. Just know that if you like the show. You can express your appreciation for these interviews with a small donation. As always, I love to get your feedback and ideas for future shows, so send those along too. Thanks again for listening, and now on to the second half of the show. What about women that have been on the pill for an extended period of time? Do you see issues there, or is there a certain recovery they have to go through, or, or procedures, or... Uh, acupuncture, different kinds of herbs or such. What What's uh, what's up with infertility that is a result of, I guess, just the hormones not coming back online?
2: You know, there's, there's some uh, documentaries coming out. I know I think Keith Bell just did one with the birth control pill. I can just tell you my observation. If a woman has gone on the birth control pill for birth control and um, doesn't have any cycle-related issues often the ones that I've seen, when they come off the birth control pill, they don't have any issues either, right? The cycle comes back and that's not usually an issue. However, if they've gone on the birth control pill because they had severe PMS or they had acne or they had irregular cycles, right? It comes every two weeks or it comes every three months. They have Fertility issues. And it, you know, here, here's my thinking. My personal opinion is it's quite obvious because the birth control pill was just masking the underlying imbalance. So when they took the birth control pill, they didn't notice that they had the acne anymore or the irregular cycles. It, it masked it. But as soon as they took stopped taking the birth control pill, that imbalance resurfaced and the acne came back, and all the issues with their cycle actually. Quite often, the women that have the auditory issues that go on the pill, a lot of them don't get their, um, their period again. And usually, usually, I don't have the scientific data on this, but my again, my observation in my clinic is we see a lot of women that are then later diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome. So a lot of the women that have gone on their birth control pill because of auditory or regular cycles have probably PCOS or can have PCOS. It's been my patient population. And when they go off it, it really shows its head and so it's kind of like the birth control pill in this case is you got a fire you got you got a, a smoke in your you got a, your your smoke alarm your fire alarms going off and what you choose to do is take out the battery so now the fire alarms not going off so you feel this is great but yet downstairs you have a fire but you don't – and so that's what the birth control pill is doing for these women with the irregular cycles, the acne, the pain. They don't know it anymore but this problem's still there. And when they finally come off the birth control pill 5, 10, 20 years later, now it's really there And uh, and that's – we see these people come to us. But the women that have – haven't had the cycle issues and they just did it for birth control pill, probably not as much. But again, I mentioned – I don't remember the title but Keith Bell is part of a documentary on that –
1: yeah, I think it's called sweetening the pill.
2: They Yeah, so I think they conclude or they share that the birth control pill, uh, they're not friends of the birth control pill. They're not happy um, what the effects are with that. I will tell you that there's a hormone they test. So again, for your listeners, AMH um, is a hormone that's test to measure basically a woman's ovarian reserve, kind of like how many eggs does she have left? How soon will she go into menopause? Um, And they have shown that uh, when you come off the birth control pill, it artificially lowers your AMH for a couple of months. So if you've been taking the birth control pill and then you go right away and do that anti-mullerian hormone, that AMH test, that's not your true AMH. So for your listeners, do make sure you wait at least three, I would say five months, but at least three months before testing that hormone because it artificially suppresses it. And again... That's wild because a couple of years ago they said it, you can't change that, right? It only gets worse, and here we see the birth control pill making it look worse,
1: right? Because it, it's not a real, it's not an actual true reading at that stage when you first come off of it.
2: Yeah, well, why I don't know. I'm sure there's some brilliant minds out there that that's their their field that they do. But mm-hmm. again, um, you know, is that a good thing about bad I, you know, it does it's doing something, and uh, so from the birth control pill to answer your question directly. If you went on it because you had cycle-related issues, then you may have issues when you, you will probably have issues when you come off it because the birth control pill, the birth control pill, the oral contraceptive does not fix it.
1: Right, it's, it masks it. It, it masks it. It doesn't treat
2: it. It's just, so, so you, you know, it's putting a blindfold on. It's cutting the fire alarm or taking the battery out uh, of the fire alarm even though the fire is still there. So, w- you know, we see a lot of that. If you're doing it, your cycles are perfect and you went on it because of a form of contraception, then um, they less likely have issues when they come off the birth control pill. And that makes mm-hmm. sense, right?
1: Oh, it does. Yeah, absolutely. I see this with other systems as well. For example, people who've been taking uh, medication for their acid reflux or GERD. Of course. Same right? like, yeah. way. When they, when they first come off of it, it can be really bad for a while uh, until – The body re-regulates itself and the physiology actually shifts and changes, which is possible.
2: Yes. Well, that's what we're doing with Chinese medicine. So, you know, GERD, that acid reflux is a great example. Fertility, this is that functional medicine approach that Chinese medicine does as well. Look for the underlying cause. So taking an antacid... We're taking the birth control pill for uh, acne um, or premenstrual migraines. That is not really fixing the problem. That's masking it. And when you see a Chinese medicine practitioner, the way you treat, the way I treat, we're looking for the underlying cause, going after the underlying cause, so all these signs and symptoms disappear. And a lot of your signs and symptoms that you experience that seem unrelated from a Western medical perspective are often related from a Chinese medicine perspective. I often use the analogy of a puzzle. One symptom on its own is like one piece of a puzzle. I can't tell you what that picture looks like yet. But as I start to put certain pieces of the puzzle together, I start to see the picture. And that's what we call pattern differential diagnosis. Um, for the medical practitioners, listening, it's kind of like a syndrome, right? Where mm-hmm. these things fall in place. And so when when that's why when you come in for fertility, we can't, from a Chinese medicine perspective just focus on your ovaries we have to look at your sleep patterns your your health your physical pain your digestion your elimination and of course your menstrual cycle we have to see it all because everything's interconnected and all these symptoms may like depression can be related to your gut you know you could be totally depressed and it could totally be related to your gut or your thyroid type symptoms can be related to adrenal dysfunction in our practice from the functional medicine side we see so many women that have normal thyroid hormones, but they exhibit the th- the uh, hypothyroid syndrome, or what's the subclinical subclinical hypothyroid. Is.
1: It's fairly common in in uh, in our clinics, I think. Very to see
2: this, yeah. And a lot of times the adrenals are related. And you know what? From the Chinese medicine point of view. Functional medicine talks about the adrenal dysfunction, the adrenal fatigue. The Chinese figured this out so long ago. So everything that's being dis- described in functional medicine, we we see this in Chinese medicine. We have different names, right? If you're using the five elements, wood overacting on earth or wood reverse attacking metal, we we have the language for this. Um, the gun qi or liver chi stagnation is what we would call like adrenal stage one, right? And then... Mm the liver and then the spleen, the Chinese spleen system being involved, that's again, you know, becoming a stage two. And then you get the spleen and kidney now becoming very deficient from long-term chi stagnation. You know, that's adrenal stage three, right? Um the Chinese have understood it. They got acupuncture, dietary, and herbal approaches for this. In our practice, we combine it so we do a functional and Chinese medicine approach we're treating the individual. So the language is different, but it's the same thing. So when somebody comes in and they have a diagnosis of adrenal stage three, um, from a Chinese perspective, they may have what's called liver chi stagnation with dual spleen and kidney yang deficiency, right? And then we go at it using um both approaches, but it's the same underlying cause. And for that case, often um we're dealing with a lot of stress um or if they have hidden inflammation like parasites. Um, These are things that we have to go after. Mm
1: -hmm. You've brought up stress a number of times now. What kinds of things besides acupuncture do you recommend for your patients to do to help deal with their stress levels?
2: So obviously if they're seeing us on a weekly basis or twice a week, they're getting the acupuncture for the stress. We teach them, here's the things that I like to share. So these are are my favorite things. Um, One is breath work. So we teach them the breath work, a certain breathing technique that's been shown to help kind of calm the sympathetic, the fight or flight, and engage the parasympathetic. You know, parasympathetic is your digestion, your restoration, your reproduction, right? So mm-hmm. you want to get people into that parasympathetic mode. The breath is the best way, or I don't know if it's the best way. It's one of my favorite. It's free. It's one
1: of your favorites. Can you, uh, can you describe this for us real I will. quick?
2: I like to give the reason why, because if people understand why, they're more motivated to do it, right? So the breath. Is your gateway to your nervous system because think about it it's part of the autonomic nervous system while you've been while we've been chatting, neither of us have been thinking about breathing in and breathing out. The listeners haven't been going breathe in, breathe out, they've just been breathing. your heart's been beating, and you know what i can't get you to start your, stop your heart. you can't do that, but all the listeners, you can hold your breath right now. Your breath is both part of your voluntary and in, involuntary part of your nervous system by changing your breathing. You're communicating to your nervous system whether you want to calm down or not. So here's the technique you breathe in for a count of four, you hold for a count of four, and you exhale for a count of eight. The exhale is the most important part. That seems to be the part that helps do the calming and the sympathetic. You're breathing in through the nose, and your mouth is closed, and your tongue's at the roof of your mouth, just behind your front teeth, kind of like a way to connect the du and ren mai in Chinese medicine. Okay? Um, so you make a circuit so your mouth is closed tongue at the roof of your mouth just behind your teeth as you breathe in for four then you hold for a count of four and then as you exhale you gently open your mouth keeping your tongue at the roof of your mouth and you exhale for a count of eight and i always say you want to book in your day so you want to do it first thing when you wake up when you open up your eyes train yourself to do this in for four hold for four out for eight do that four times in the morning Last thing you do before bed, same thing. In for four, hold for four, out for eight, four times. That's how you want to begin and end your day. Anytime you're feeling stress, so while at work, um, or sorry, while driving to work, um, if I have a stressful patient that's sharing a very difficult, hard story she's had, I'll go into it so I don't get caught up in it, so I can keep my nervous system calm. So if Mm. you have a a terrible associate at work or abusive relationship with somebody while they're chatting... Rather than reacting, I choose to go into the breath work. The other time to like, I like to do this is before meals. Maybe this is why people prayed before they ate a long time ago. Um, it brings a form of mindfulness. This is a really hot, uh, popular now, mindfulness. So mindfulness eating. If you stop before you eat and you do this breath technique, in through your nose for four, hold for four, out for your mouth through eight, four times, I guarantee that on several occasions you're gonna look down at your plate after and choose not to eat some of the stuff you put on your plate and eat less. Why? We use food as our Prozac. We're emotional eaters so sometimes we're eating to feel better and by doing this breath work you start to calm yourself down and you'll bring mindfulness and you'll choose your food differently. So the breath technique, first thing in the morning, before each time you eat, anytime you have a stressful thing going on during your day and at bedtime. We've seen people's hands and feet. Women complain of cold hands and feet. Now, we never do anything in isolation, so we're doing acupuncture, herbs, diet, but we do this breath technique, and if you do this for 21 to 30, 30 days, you'll start to feel your hands and feet warm up. Why? When you're in this chronic sympathetic fight or flight, you're, you're losing the good circulation to the end of your hands, and I always use this analogy. I want blood flow to the ovaries. If you've got cold hands and feet, it's a great way for me to tell whether you're getting good blood flow to your ovaries if I'm not doing mm-hmm. a color doppler ultrasound so how am I knowing that you're're you're, um, you're getting that blood flow to the reproductive system? I'm looking for your hands and feet to warm up as well great that was that the, that and was that's, the best one.
1: and that's simple that's a simple one
2: It's free it's with you all the time and then briefly I'll do these ones uh, quicker. Um, feeling uh, grateful. So the gratitude, writing things down every day, three things you're grateful for. There's been research to show that this can change the actual wiring of your brain. So again, you know, where the mind goes, the chi follows. What you focus on becomes your reality. So if you focus on what's going well in your life, then that's going to be your experience, and it's going to change um, your nervous system because because your life is, only, life is not what happens to you, it's what you perceive what's happening to you. It's not the event that causes the distress in the body. It's your perception and reaction to the event. So focus on uh, what's going well in your life. doesn't matter if seven bad things out of ten are going bad. Focus on the three good things. Train your brain. So um, the other thing is the gratitude journal. We said the breath. Um, I like guided imagery. I'm also a trained clinical hypnotherapist, so hypnotherapy. But downloading guided imagery, um, we do that a lot. There's tons on fertility. There's stuff for post-traumatic stress disorder. There's stuff for uh, migraines, um, post-surgery. You can find anything. Um, So find a good one. There's some that we have enlisted on our website at acubalance.ca that I like um, for fertility in particular. But I like guided imagery and uh, walks in nature. Those are kind of the – and journaling. You know, just journaling in general, just journaling in general. But my my favorites are the breath, the gratitude journal, and uh the guided imagery. I love those. And obviously our patients are getting the acupuncture, so we're definitely having a chance to address their, their stress that
1: way. I'm really uh struck with the gratitude piece. It for some reason it's just been on my radar a lot lately. I, I hear patients talking about it. I had one in recently who I guess you could say it's kind of a gratitude journaling thing. Um, She called it the Thousand Gifts. And you can do several a day if you want. You could do 30 a day if you want. Or if you want to stretch this out over a period of time, you could do one a day. It'll take you three years to do it. And the thing is, is to notice the things in your life. That's a gift. That's a gift to you. And I was so struck by this. It just it just kind of hit home, you know how that happens sometimes. Yeah. So I've started yeah. the practice myself, and you know there's stuff that's really easy, bright sunny days, coffee in the morning, you know stuff like that. But what's been what's been fascinating to me is some of the stuff that comes up that on first blush I wouldn't go, that's a gift from the universe to me, and yet when the thought comes up, I can't push it away. Let me give you an example. I had one come up the other day. I'm not getting enough of what I want. And I'm thinking that's a gift? Bullshit, you know? That's terrible. But I sat with it a bit and it's like, no, no, that that's the gift for today. Let's unpack that. And by going into sometimes the benefits and the real blessings that can come out of not getting what you think you want, it I just find it found it quite mind-boggling that sometimes the Very things that we think are a problem might actually be a benefit, but it takes some time to sit with it and really unpack and see what's in there.
2: I agree. And it's, you know, the easier one is to look for the things that are going good in your life. And this is the mind game, right? It's, this is what you're doing. You're using your mind to change the chemistry in your, in your body by by what you just did right what's what can i gain from this you know mm-hmm. when i had my illness um you know look where i am now doing chinese medicine and um you know running an educational institute for acupuncturists um i love it i could have been still a chartered accountant but this is a, i'm happy you know that if i didn't get sick this would never have happened you know the key and i'll take it from my my um my background as a hypnotherapist as well is you know When you're writing the gratitude down or what you did when you're unpacking, the key is that there's an emotional charge in your body that you feel a little bit excited. If you just aimlessly write and there's no feeling, it doesn't seem to have the impact. So it seems like the more the emotion is there, then the more power it has, the more charge that comes with it. So it's not so much the thought that's going to do it. That's why thinking positive thoughts isn't going to change your life. The positive thoughts are the are there to create the, the the positive emotional charge in your body. And that's why a lot in, in meditation and hypnosis, it's like we want you to imagine or pretend as if you have it now because that's where you can kind of go into this dream state and get excited because you actually think you have it now. You're allowing yourself to believe you have it now. So when you're doing these gratitude journals or what you're doing, like unpacking um, the gift, Check in to see how you feel. If it's stressing you out and you're getting tense, it's not doing what it's supposed to be doing, right? You're not, you gotta mm-hmm. take, You got to take a deep breath and, and look into this. You should feel excited. And when I've done this exercise, sometimes I kind of snap out of it. And I'm like, you know, like when you sometimes you are excited but you can't remember why, you know, like especially as a kid. Oh, yeah, I got that new bike. You're like all excited. You're like, why am I so excited? Oh, yeah, that new red bike's in my garage. Can't wait to get home. It's kind of like sometimes I'll do this dream this, this dreaming and gratitude and then i'll come out of it and i'm excited for a minute and then i'm like ah, oh, because it hasn't happened yet right there's almost a little bit of disappointment and i think that's good because that shows me that i was really there and i practice this because the subconscious can't tell really from uh the reality and and non-reality that's why at a movie even though you know those are actors on the screen and there's somebody beside you slurping his pop or drinking, eating popcorn, you will still laugh or cry in a movie because you kind of allow yourself to get taken away. And that's what this guided imagery does, hypnosis or the gratitude journal is. You're allowing yourself to kind of be taken away and the body can't tell the difference and chemical reactions happen in the body when you believe that you have something that you want or you're grateful for something that you want. And I think it puts something out there into the ether and tracks more of it to you. You know, I just think you start to become more aware of it. And so your perception of the world is better because you're seeing the good. And because you're seeing the good, you just feel safer and happier and you experience a better life because of how you're training your brain to perceive the world.
1: Yeah. I, you know, I like that phrase that about training your brain to perceive the world because So often we think that life just happens to us. It's a process of discovery. But so often it's actually a matter of perception and building. You know, in in some very fundamental ways, we do build our reality with what we decide to let in or or keep out. Yeah,
2: that's great. So these are are the... uh You know, the stress reductions, acupuncture, breath, I mean, exercise, you know, I didn't state the obvious, getting out there for a walk, move the body, exercise is a great stress reduction, Mm -hmm. Um, breathing, guided imagery, journaling, these are all things. But, you know, the obvious, um, you know, go to bed at a good hour, um, eat well, move your body. Those are are good beginnings. Great.
1: So we're going to wind this down here in just a couple moments. Uh, But before we do, I just want to ask you one more question. What are some things that couples should know about fertility and conception that they may not know about?
2: Well, that's how you want to finish, eh? <laughs> that's a great question, though. You know, there's a um, I could go at I could go at this on so many so many levels. I think the first thing we touched on it is men play a role in your fertility, so the men needs to be looked at, and I would say from a Chinese medicine perspective as well and a functional medicine because often um, the semen analysis really is rudimentary and can't always tell you whether you can give life. Okay, it's not a great test, but it's kind of the best we have. So men play a role. Timing of intercourse. I'm going to tell you some simple things. I've helped people come in here and they're just not timing their intercourse properly or having intercourse enough. So I've helped couples just by when they should have sex, have babies. Okay. So mm-hmm. um, and diet. Diet is such a simple. Intervention. So the other thing that people are missing is diet and stress. We're in a we live in a day and age where technology, the more expensive it is and the more lights that blink and bells that beep, the more impressed we are and the better it must be. But sometimes the simplest things have the most a huge have the largest effect, most profound effect, right? The smallest, the smallest things. What you eat can impact the health of your baby. We've seen this now. Chinese medicine talks about this. West, the western science now call this epigenetics and there's a recent study that just came out recently out of McGill University where they showed that the guy's diet will impact the health of the baby so birth defects they're seeing what's going on a protein that gets on one of the proteins that changes so again your diet and your lifestyle can make a major difference into your fertility in a lot of cases not all cases but in a lot of cases that's where it begins eating well in taking care of your home in the sense of, uh, of stress reduction. And the men need to get involved. I would say in our practice, we would see a lot more pregnancies if we treated a lot more men. When we treat couples, we see better results than when we treat just the woman. That's our observation, and that's observations of other colleagues that I get to speak to. And I have one colleague that will not take on a couple, will not take on a woman unless the male partner is part of the equation, assuming that they're using his sperm to conceive. If they're using donor sperm, or she's single, or it's a same-sex couple, or transgender, then obviously, if, that, if, if the guy's sperm is not involved, then he invo- doesn't need to be involved in the treatment. But if you're trying to make a baby, healthy egg plus healthy sperm plus healthy uterine ver- environment makes a healthy baby. So men need to get involved um, and diet and lifestyle. And, you know, uh, as of right now, on our website, it's free, the AccuBalance Fertility Diet. I wrote this about five, six years ago. It's a free download. We wrote a fertility diet for patients to learn how to eat for fertility. And that you can get for free at the AccuBalance.ca website. So start Great. with uh, I will with make talking.
1: sure there's a uh, direct link to that on the show notes page. Right. Great.
2: So I don't know. I hope that answered the question because I was like, you know, where do I start with this? You know, and you know, the other thing is, age is still a factor. I, I do want to let you know that age does play a factor. In, in in the West, there's a biological clock. Chinese medicine also has a biological clock. So uh, reproduction does not go forever. Um, but um, age is not always a death sentence. To, you know, if, if you're coming in at a certain age, um, you you can be helped. Don't be fooled by the magazines, celebrity magazines, when you see these celebrities in their late 40s having babies with their own eggs. Um, most cases, they're, they're misleading you. They're using donor eggs, but their story they're telling is it's their own eggs. So it's, it has done a disservice for the public where they think, oh, the celebrities look at them with their babies at 49 and 50. Um, I can tell you that they're not using their own eggs. or using donor eggs. So that's the only other thing I want to let you. Age is a factor. So do come in and uh, look at your fertility and see see what can be done to be helped. And, uh, and so don't wait until you're in your late 40s to try and start starting a family. Um, and if you're in your early 40s, um, you can't change your birth date. So just be proactive now. So when we see people that come into our practice, Michael, a lot of times they go to the IVF clinic and they're like really – hitting them hard about the age the age if somebody comes to me at 41 they found love later whatever the reason is look we know age is a factor and now we do everything we can to optimize their fertility so they can conceive at 41 and there's a biological age and a chronological age so if you're biologically and chronologically 41 you should be able to have a baby if you're chronologically 41 but biologically 49 you can't have a baby but maybe we can help you become biologically 41 again and we see that.
1: Chinese medicine is so good for that.
2: That's what it does. So your chronological age, if you come to me at 47 chronologically, I'm not optimistic. I don't think I can help you have a baby with your own eggs. Um, if Because even if I get you, by, bi- say you're 47 chronologically, but you're biologically 50. If I get you biologically 47, then you're biologically 47. That's still not right. in the reproductive still
1: state. Still uphill climb. But if you
2: come in, which I see a lot, failed IVFs, um, they come in age 40, told it's advanced maternal age, told they need to do donor eggs. And when we look at them, they're like behaving biologically 50, sorry, yes, bi- biologically 50, their body's behaving, but chronologically they're 40. And we see them conceive naturally or go on and do an IVF and have babies because we were lucky to help them go from biologically 50 back to biological 40. And note yeah. here, I've never made a, bi- a chronologically uh, woman who's 40 biologically 35. I can't make you go back to being younger biologically. I can bring you to where you should be. And 40-year young women should be able to
1: have babies. Yeah. And this is true for any kind of issue that someone's facing. You, you bring up a really pertinent point here about the chronological age and the biological age. Yeah. yeah. Well, Lauren, it's a real delight to talk with you about this stuff. Uh, tell us your website again so people can go there. It's Acubalance with one C. AcuBalance.ca is the uh,
2: is the website, and uh, there's a section. We have lots of information on it for conditions like recurrent pregnancy loss, PCOS, and that diet. The fertility diet is up there, so uh, uh, take advantage of that and um, and seek out somebody who does Chinese medicine in your area. And it's an added bonus if they have experience treating fertility.
1: Great. Thanks again for being on the show. Thank you, Michael. you have enjoyed this episode of everyday acupuncture podcast if so please take a moment and visit www.everydayacupuncturepodcast.com where you can click on the review on itunes button to rate and review the show doing this helps other people to find the show also you can express your appreciation by supporting the show with a donation thanks for listening and be sure to tune in again next time